Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Texas primaries, which are today, as long along with the State of the Union, masks off. Katie Hopkins joins me in studio to size up Russia, Ukraine, and much more. America's trucker convoy on a roll. You will love these clips and more on the Ukraine and Russia. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. It's a big day in Texas, it's Texas primary day. And in Texas, we have very, very significant primaries occurring. All the top level officials on, in the Texas state level uh, are on the ballot, governor, lieutenant, governor, attorney general. We have many other races, state rep races. Every single state rep is up uh, who represent their district in Austin. Obviously, every member of the U.S. House is up for re-election, so it's a big, big day in Texas, uh, and many closely contested primaries, people challenging incumbent Republicans or vying for an open seat. Big, big day. And it's also the day that we're going to have in Washington, D.C., the State of the Union. Uh, I believe that President Biden is currently napping, so he'll be ready to stand up and speak at the State of the Union. On a very serious note, you know, the State of the Union has historically been a profoundly important time for Americans to hear from their president what he stands for, what he believes in, how well things are going, what he thinks he needs to be working on in the future. All these things have normally come from uh, the State of the Union. In fact, one of the most memorable moments of President Trump's presidency was in one, in one of his State of the Union messages where he looked directly at Senator Bernie Sanders and said, America will never be a socialist nation, along with every Republican in the U.S. House and U.S. Senate standing up and clapping. Much of America clapped, clapped for that line. We're just thrilled watching it at their homes, watching later to hear the president openly address the socialist movement in this world and in our country. And Bernie Sanders' uh, candidacy for the presidency twice, along with many other factors, have really mainstreamed, legitimized the role of socialism in America and the place of socialism and the argument by the anti-American left that has now completely overtaken the Democrat Party that the anti-American left is basically saying, you know, we are going to bring socialism to America. They don't want to call it that. Some of them do. Many of them don't call it that. But by their policies, by their actions, they are driving America over a socialist cliff. So it's a really interesting contrast to think how President Trump spoke, America will never be a socialist nation, and President Biden will speak as he is careening this country over the cliff to socialism, and everyone can see it. Everyone can see it. We'll talk a lot more about that during the show today, America's direction and what is motivating the Democrat Party and many, many things are doing. But I'll hit one last little point about the, uh, the State of the Union, and that is this. We've had mask mandates in this country since the moment Biden stumbled into office. And we've had mask mandates as many people have become more and more familiar with the science, the real science regarding masks being completely ineffective regarding the effectiveness of many, many treatments for COVID and the dangers of the vaccines now being offered or almost forced on the American people. So there's been a growing understanding among the American people that COVID seemed to be handled by the, those in power in Washington, not just the presidency, but the medical establishment in Washington, D.C., the NIH under Dr. Fauci, the CDC, FDA, all of them pushing vaccines. And now more and more and more information comes out indicating that these were not only uh, unnecessary because we had existing and wonderful medications to treat COVID, but that they're actually dangerous. So as Americans wake up and people are getting really, really tired of the mask mandates, lo and behold, CDC announced, you know, it turns out we don't need masks anymore. So CDC made an announcement and the Congress announced just prior to the State of the Union tonight, after all, no one needs to wear a mask at the U.S. House. You know, you can just show up at the U.S. Congress, 
Trump for the State of the Union, uh, no mask required. And also the uh, D.C. government announced, the mayor of D.C. announced, public school children no longer need to wear masks. So all of a sudden things have changed. So some reporter had a fairly savvy question, uh, which he put to the uh, presidential spokesperson, Jen Psaki, basically asking about, wow, isn't that convenient how the mask became unnecessary uh, just prior to State of the Union? And Mr. Becker, I believe, has that clip to play for you. Was it important to the president that masks come off during, before the State of the Union? Is there a message that he hopes to send uh, with, you know, with that news? Well, I would say the president is very powerful, but he couldn't make us be in the green zone that we're in right now in D.C. That's why we are not uh, required. We're not going to be required to wear masks starting tomorrow. So uh, I would say that for him, it had nothing to do with the timing around the State of the Union. Uh, he wanted to give the CDC the time to assess and make recommendations that would be clear to the American public about uh, what their recommendations would be for mask wearing moving forward. Okay, sorry, I'm trying to text to Mr. Becker to please turn the volume up in the studio slightly for Katie to be able to hear. Okay, so I want to just say one thing about that. Nobody sitting in that press conference believed that answer. I'm telling you, nobody. They all sat there and thought, right, we've had mass mandates, we've had members of Congress fined, members of Congress, members of the United States Senate fined, I mean, actually had to pay money as a fine to the government for failing to wear a mask inside the U.S. Capitol. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, Biden comes along with his first day of the union. And now, you know, we don't need masks anymore. I mean, I just think that the willingness to fib, uh, to mislead the American people, to provide some answer that's just clear. Poppycock was obvious to everyone. There was also a, there were actually dozens and dozens of tweets that came out as a response to Saki's answer there. There's one I sent to Mr. Becker, a quick play. Put up, yeah. Congress attending physician now says face masks are no longer required in the Capitol complex. The timing is impeccable. I can't wait to see what other changes will come this week from new science. Uh, and they're joking, of course, because the new science is just the government figuring out that people aren't going to listen to them anymore, so they have to change the rules. And closing out the first five, on a very serious note, I do encourage everyone to try to listen to the State of the Union tonight because I actually think what you're going to hear, Biden is, as we've talked many times about, and, and sad, he is suffering from dementia. He's somewhere in the range of senility and he doesn't really know what he's saying. But somebody's giving him a line to say. Someone's made a speech for him. So what you're going to hear out of his mouth, if he gets through it, is what the cabal has decided the message of the American to the American people needs to be from the Democrat Party at a time when we in America have no enforceable southern border, no enforceable southern border, when mass mandates, vaccine passports, uh, just the, the wide array of tyrannical rules coming out of COVID have now, America's reached the breaking point on listening to them on, and on honoring them. The American people are completely appalled at the abandonment of the rule of law and how the FBI and DOJ are conducting their investigation about January 6th. There are areas, a wide range, a, a long list of very, very serious concerns that American citizens have. So what we're going to hear out of Biden tonight is whoever writes the cabal, directs his speech content, you know, what they think the American people need to hear. They'd actually be really bright if they would declare victory over COVID. Look, we did it. You just got Biden in, victory over COVID. And then they could at least give themselves an excuse for getting rid of all the mandates. I'm not sure they're ready to go there. They kind of like controlling the people, one of their main goals. I don't know where they'll go, but very interesting to watch. Um, and the Texas primaries, uh, we'll of course cover that tomorrow, but very, very significant primaries in the state of Texas, which will for a long time determine the direction of the state of Texas. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. For our radio listeners, I want to be sure you know, uh, you're listening to, my show is called America Can We Talk? My name is Debbie Georgiatis. The website is americacanwetalk.org. If you're listening on radio, I encourage you to go to that website, americacanwetalk.org. You will find there links to all of our past shows, links to our blog posts, links to our past interviews, all sorts of great information to know more about what we do in this show, which I always say is to summarize by doing this show is to stand up and speak out to preserve America. Entire reason I do this show. And one other quick thing, I will tell you very quickly, Mr. Becker, I believe made a QR. I'm supposed to show you, I can show you this happy thing. Uh, upside, or right side would be better. So there is a rescheduled event, and I want to make sure you see this. I'm trying to get it in the camera there. Uh, a rescheduled event, which um, he'll give you a QR code in a moment. But you may recall a few uh, months ago, we had an event scheduled 
for uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West running for governor of the state of uh, Texas, and he was to be in a forum. I was to be the moderator. Uh, the other gentleman involved was Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, the person who wrote uh, about Marxism in the military. Uh, that event had to be rescheduled due to our uh, one of our numerous ice storms here in Texas this year, now rescheduled for March 7th. 2022 at 7 p.m. It's going to be at Mercury One, which is a Glenn Beck uh, headquarters. Uh, and so if you grab that QR code, freeze your screen, you can get yourself tickets. This is the event. I just can't, I always go backwards, which way to go here. <laughs> anyway, this is the event. I think you would love, love, love to come. Hope you can join us on March 7th and do scan that QR code to get your tickets. Now for the real fun to start. We have Katie Hopkins in studio today. You may have recognized her name. She has been on the show before. Uh, she's spoken at uh, both of my last uh, two summits, uh, our Women for Freedom summits. Uh, she's an extraordinary, truly extraordinary uh, figure, internationally, internationally known. She is a British citizen, a UK citizen, and she's been among the most outspoken uh, political observers, authors, and writers truly in the world speaking up about the many different ways in which the freedom of Western civilization, the culture, the, the underpinnings of Western civilization are truly under attack. She's a very entertaining uh, speaker as well as being well, very well informed and really a refreshing speaker, kind of encouraging Americans uh, to stand up and speak up and defend their country. She did a tour last year, uh, two years ago, defending and encouraging people to vote for President Trump who was really kind of seen by many people as one of the people who was, you know, in the forefront with the ability to fight for and stand up for America. So we're going to talk about Ukraine, Russia, and a whole bunch of other things. Well, welcome to the show, Katie Hopkins. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. We're Team Pink today. That's right, Team Pink. Yeah. Everyone knows. We look like people. we're working at some milkshake bar <laughs> or other, which we could be. Be right. Could be. Yeah, we'd be, we fine. we'd be fine at it. It'd be good. Yeah. Okay. So I told you we, we have a list of topics and, um, you know, the big thing, and I, I'll mention for our listeners very quickly again, this Thursday, I can't encourage you strong enough to tune in Thursday. We have a full hour with Frank Gaffney, and we're going to go way, way deep dive on the situation with Ukraine, Russia, the economic factors at play, the ge geopolitical, um, you know, who's really doing what and the real reason they're doing it. I'm just going to have a great show on Thursday. But Katie has wonderful perspectives, too, as someone who's a Brit and watching America from afar and watching the world from afar. So uh, let me just start with all of that. Yeah. So the world's watching Ukraine and Russia. Don't you, and, and Russia's invaded Ukraine. That's the appearance. I mean, do you have a sense, you've been around the country, do you feel like the American people are getting stirred up into thinking, jump right in this war and defend the Ukrainians against the Russians? I think, you know, so many things. Firstly, I think State of the Union that you were just talking about, as a foreigner and as an outsider, you know, what I would really love is for the State of the Union address to be fantastic, right? I want this big American president to walk on stage, ideally with stars and stripes dripping from his every stride. I want trumpets, I want fanfares, I want Americana, yeah. and I want a president to stand there and be everything you want that is presidential, right? And that's the sadness of this time, is that actually if I was his comms team right now, headed up Biden's comms team, I would be terrified because you have no way of knowing how that's going to go, what's going to come out of his mouth, how badly he's going to slur. Like those people are really under pressure and it, and, it, and it gives the illusion of a much weaker America to a foreigner and an outsider. So that's one thing that really troubles me with that. I think as I go around, this has been a month long tour now, going around trying to, uh, as I say, rally the rebel armies of America. But now I have to tone that down after January the 6th. So I say, that I'm lifting up our side. But I go around to help people see that things will be okay because as I've traveled around California the last two weeks, people are properly beaten down. I mean, they are exhausted by the last two years of COVID lockdowns and the brutality of being ostracized and isolated from venues, families, relationship groups, and, and people are battered. You know, and as I'm speaking and we're talking together and people start to feel better, there's a lot of tears that come out of people because I truly believe the last two years have been this kind of mass injury event that people are almost carrying. You know, those water coolers that you go and fill up, like it's almost like people have a water bottle they're carrying. And at some points it comes out in really unexpected times. People find themselves upset. So that already before 
you start the next media onslaught of Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine, good, Russia, bad. Uh, and I guess I have quite a different view to what is seen as mainstream in terms of having spent some time in Russia, in terms of understanding how the media operate. You know, ultimately, journalists are lazy. They are incredibly lazy individuals. And COVID taught them that they didn't have to make much effort in order to achieve a story. COVID was one of the easiest things to cover journalistically of all time. And I've watched journalists in DC when it was the inauguration of Biden and we weren't allowed to be there because it was shoot on sight, positioning <laughs> their cap. And I went, obviously, because yeah. that's incentive for me. It might be over, right? Time to go out. But they, you know, the way they position their cameras around one single military vehicle to give the impression of drama. And yeah. that's what they're doing right now in Ukraine, stood on their Hilton hotel balconies. I mean, it's, the, it's an illusion of war that they're buying into. And I don't think it's as clear cut as Ukraine good, Russia bad, Putin evil, everybody else brilliant. It's never that simple. Agree, it's never that simple. And I do want to dive into that point, but back to your point about the State of the Union. This is something I didn't weave into my opening remarks, but if you listen to the show very often, you know I make this point very often. Once you begin to understand that the powers that be in Washington, the cabal that really runs this presidency and has infiltrated at all levels of the bureaucracy, you have to grasp what I'm about to say and then everything else makes sense. And that is this, the anti-American left, the Marxist socialist ideology that has now taken over America's left truly is working toward the destruction of America. I do not mean that they want to kill all American citizens. I do not mean that. But I do mean these are people who want to sweep away out of America the idea of the Constitution, the idea of a people who have rights that are embedded in the Constitution. They want to sweep away the entire structure the Constitution gives and the limitations on the power of the federal government because they actually are socialists, globalists, World Economic Forum thinkers. And they don't think that's being a bad thing. They think that is the best, most progressive next step to moving the world forward. They see nation states and America's historical commitment to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence as provincial, old school, knuckle dragger, you know, um, Bible clinging type thinking. And they really think they are advancing America by taking away those foundational ideas of America. If you recall when President Obama was still a state senator, uh, serving the state Senate, pretty sure the state Senate in Illinois, uh, in an interview, he was asked about the Constitution. Now mind you, he's a lawyer, he's been through law school, and he described the US Constitution as a charter of negative liberties. What he was complaining about is, the Constitution didn't give the federal government enough power to control every single aspect of your life. This is how socialists think, it's how Marxists think, and this is where the left is headed. They, are, they do not think that America as founded is the best and the right idea for this era. For now, they are lured by the idea of the World Economic Forum, globalists, the people who think better and higher and more nobly about the world uh, than mere provincial believers in America. And so they, everything they do trends toward that line. So back to the State of the Union, then we're gonna go back to Katie, I swear. But on the State of the Union, what you will hear out of him, out of President Biden, I mean, he'll, they try to keep the peasants happy, try to keep people, you know, throw them a few crumbs, we can believe in them. But their, their overarching goal is always to steer America away from the foundational promise of individual liberty and toward the notion of a collectivist society where government controls more of your life and don't worry about it because everything will still be fair. That's where I think so too is gonna go. Actually, before we get to you know, Ukraine and Russia, you, you sent a message earlier, because you're from the UK. UK is very different. Yes. And we're going to get into Ukraine and Russia, but you wrote a note in the uh, or text or something where you said, in UK, within the next few years, I won't own a car anymore. Yeah. Why, why is that? So, and, and that's always kind of one of the things, isn't it? That where the UK goes first, usually America follows in some regard. And that works both ways, good and bad things too. So like we had Brexit. Finally, we were allowed to achieve that after three years of waiting you got Trump, you know, and then you weren't really allowed to have the Trump presidency. Many things mirror between our countries. Yes, yes. So in my country, and this is going to sound not credible. This will sound like I'm 
a deranged nutter, the sort of person they call a conspiracy theorist. Within uh, five years, British people or English people will not have the right to own their own vehicle. We will not have the right to own a car. And you already see the tentacles of that here. So you will, people that watch you will have observed bike lanes springing up in really inconvenient and unusual places, the push against diesel, the push towards electric, some of these uh, petrol or fuel outages at the pumps that seem very controlled. So we are a long way down that path. We are already unable to own a diesel vehicle. Farm As is against the law to own yeah. a diesel vehicle. Farmers in the UK used to have access to something called red diesel. It was cheaper diesel to help them. That's been done away with as well to stop people having black market diesel. The push to electric is massive. In four cities in the UK, there are pilot schemes to try and take people's cars and replace them with a credit voucher for public transport systems. And I know how much Texans love tra public transport. <laughs> We will not have the right. Their aim is to get everybody to electric. Then their aim is to get everybody to a government fleet of electric. And then they will limit our access. So the idea is we're moving to this idea where we're all living in these high rise blocks above public transport. And you will not have the right to travel freely as you do now. And the move toward all of this you just described in the UK, is this all justified by the government because of climate change? It's climate change and then, you know, enabling people through bike lanes and then they've just changed. We have something called the highway code. What's it called here? The rules for driving. Wow. Like you have to, you don't have it. America, it's perfect. We have something called the highway code. They just change. it's basically the rules of the road. They just changed it so that if um, you are a car, and there you are a bike, a pedal bike, a push bike. The push bike now has priority over the car. In the UK today, if a push bike is in front of you on the road, in the middle of the road, they have priority over a car. So that's happening. All of this stuff is happening right now. And it is, you can just see the walls sort of closing in on us being able to own a vehicle. You know, I'm so glad. We, I wasn't even planning on this topic. It's but important. I love, it's so important because in America, you know, we have this talk about the Green New Deal coming and it got, well, it got, got sidetracked because yes. of all the other crazy things out of Washington. But it won't be sidetracked. You know, it'll be sidetracked in the sense it's not, we're not talking about it. But believe me, all those, stra everything we've got coming in the UK, the pilot projects to take people's cars, the removal of diesel, the creating false constraints at the pumps, raising fuel prices, it is showing how great electric cars are all the time. It's all about the push to electric and then taking your vehicles. I could not agree more. I, I, it will happen here. And the Green New Deal, parts of it, I think when they announced the Green New Deal and if they had to put that name on a law, then you could get organized opposition to it. So instead they take pieces of it yes. and this legislation and this legislation, but it's exactly where things are headed in America. People talk about this, that you eventually, you will not be able to travel. Okay. And Americans and Texans especially, we love our cars, you, we love to travel. You have to. Texas is Texas. If you don't come to Texas, if you don't understand Texas, you have to be here to understand the scale of Texas. <laughs> I mean, I say that because, you know, my country would fit into one of your shopping malls. So. <laughs> Texas is big and you're not going to give up your Ford trucks easily, just like you're not going to give up your weapons. And that fills me with joy every day. But, you know, bear in mind, my daughter now, so I have teenage children. It's why I spend so much time on the road. <laughs> but I have teenage children. They're not allowed to uh, learn to drive. There's restrictions on them learning. And to have a test, we have to pass a test to drive. I think you do here. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've restricted those. So you now have to be in a line for seven or eight months before you can even have a test. Even take the test. So children are being put off. The, the message is don't learn, don't bother, don't have that skill. Wow. You are right, that's where it's headed in America. And you know what, I mentioned uh, climate change because part of what's happened with younger people and, and I guess people of every generation is if you think all that they're suggesting is justified by the emergency of climate change, then, and otherwise we're all gonna die in 12 years, which I think was supposed to happen about 30 years ago, they were all gonna die in 12 years. But then everyone more readily gives away their freedom, not everyone, people more readily give away their freedom because they think, well, if I'm saving the planet, 
Is, is, that how, is that how it's justified there, is it? Yeah, there's just there's that same kind of moral currency of, well, I, I've given up my car in exchange for social credits, which is what this stuff is. They're already giving up cars for social credits because it's a noble endeavor. Um, and then if you also, as an outside observer, you go to somewhere like Phoenix in Arizona, mm -hmm. or you go to San, I was shocked in San Diego, whilst the lockdown has happened, all of these high rises have sprung up at a time when people weren't buying properties and then bike lanes have happened. And that's the plan. You look at these new cities is to have everybody living on top of these public transport networks. Oh, and it's yes. a dark time because you think, oh, it's just a car. But it isn't just a car, is it? Because America exists on the principle that one day if you chose to in the morning, you could wake up, get in your vehicle and you can be in another state. Right. It, that that's fundamental to your right. being here. It's fundamental to freedom. Freedom, it's yes. Fundamental to freedom, and even the ga price of gas is fundamental to freedom. If you can say, "Oh, sure, you're free to drive, but you can't really afford the gas yeah. to get you know to the next town," then you're really not free at all. No, or you start taxing people on a per mile or per kilometer basis, as they've tried in California. Yeah. You know, and that, that will be back. You know that when they bring something in and there's outrage, and then they retract it you know it's going to come back again. They're just going to bide their time until they can get it back. I, I couldn't agree. And this is the creeping, I use the word socialism and Marxism, yeah. the creeping government-controlled society, cultural Marxism, the idea that you really don't need this God-given freedom the Declaration said you have, because we'll take care of you. We'll take care of everything. Yes. In fact, that was one of the lines from the uh, founder of the Great yes. Reset. The you'll Klaus owe nothing. Go ahead, you can finish it. You'll owe nothing and be happy. And you'll be happy. Well, so far, I'm not there. You know. <laughs> well, I tell you, a lot of people, I will just say this, a lot of people are struggling to be happy at the moment. And I think my sort of message overall, away from all the drama and the tension in Ukraine and blah, 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 is everybody could be a little bit nicer. All of us, right? Because this lockdown stuff, the two-year stuff, the angst we face has made everybody a little grumpier than they need to be at the periphery of life. I feel that. And I hear people insult the wait staff or the nice man at concierge. And I go around and I give them a cuddle and I say, I'm sorry for that person. <laughs> you give them a cuddle. I do. I've been cuddling people all. The concierges I've cuddled, reception staff, bar staff, a waitress the other day, someone was rude. So I walked over and cuddled her because I just feel like that's, we mustn't be so angry at the periphery of life. We must direct our anger, channel it to the people who are responsible. Yeah, I, I love that. I will add to that. I feel like people, the political sides and so many issues are drawn. Uh, we're talking about just one issue about, you know, limiting your yeah. freedom and driving, but there are countless other issues. And we've so severely taken sides and we don't really listen very much exchange. Yeah. There's not really an exchange. But I have to say, part of what you do and your, your magic and what you do in your public speaking is you bring people in because you have a warm way and you're funny. And honestly, humor is a huge vehicle to connect people to relax people but i do think there's a need that you're cuddling the waiter is a great one little example but the idea of we have to be able in america and, and in the uk to talk to each other to point out there is absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be able to own a car and you should be able to have a car with gasoline price at a, at a price you can afford it i mean helping people see connect the dots between they're, they're not changing policy to fix climate change they're trying to take away your freedom. To have people grasp that, I think what many people would say, well, if that's their motive, th then I'm against it. Then I'll stand up mm -hmm. and fight. People have to see the change they're coming is intended to take away their freedom. I think so. And I also believe, you know, I'm ex-military. There's a thing with, you know, as an off army officer, your job is to lead the lads. So I would have 28 lads under my control, which I think is, is excellent. That's about the right number for me to take charge of men on a regular basis, right? <laughs> but yeah. the idea is so you can work them hard, you direct them clearly, you tell them what they need to do, and why they need to do it, and why you expect them to do it on time. <laughs> and imagine being married to me, it's horrific. And um, what I think you also have to do, and you do it with the lads and military people will understand, is you have to have this downtime, you have to have these moments where you let people recover, whether that's throwing food in people or water or rest. And it's one of the things our side needs to do as well. And by our side, I mean the side that just wants everyone to be okay. We have to acknowledge that people need a little, you know, breathing in and out. Yeah. Some people, the lady that came, you were kind enough to come last night to a, an event in Red River Church in Texoma where the pastor, I mean, American pastors, please, six foot eight, 
gun-toting pastor. I mean, you got to love him. Come uh, on, you've got to love America. Yeah, i got to jump in and do something. Yeah. I'm very sorry. My very fine friends on radio, you're going off to a commercial break. It is three minutes. Mm. Do not go away. Come back <laughs> after the commercial. Those people online, we're still going to listen to Katie Hopkins <laughs> telling us about the pastors who are gun-toting in Texas. Come right back. <laughs> so what happens with the radio people, though? Do they come back after this bit? Do they, they miss the whole thing? They do. They so miss this is like hopes. private for so, online. I know. We can tell so, secrets. So people um, that came to the church, a lady came through the door and she was already in tears and she hadn't left her home for two years or so <gasps> she's had a horrible horrible time and been very depressed and whatever she's lost the self-confidence to be out amongst people not really just because of covid just she'd lost faith in kind of humanity and she rolled through the church doors we all had a lovely time and in the end she was there with another lady and they were having fun and then another and that's what i think this is was last this, night yeah yeah oh my regrouping gosh, as a regrouping together as this kind of family collective is so important right now yeah. you know before we face the next fight which you've got coming up every day right you have your elections today midterms are coming it is relentless but we have to also kind of build ourselves ready you know I think forming great friendships and, and almost family-like friendships yeah. outside of your real family or yes. your you know biological family, just making connections, it is a huge thing to make you feel like you're not alone. And even if you could, yeah, I agree, find things that bond you with someone who maybe isn't on the same page with you or maybe not far down the path, down the rabbit hole yes. where you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, you know, and I think that's one of the things the truckers did, uh, the Canadian truckers did, was at a moment when everybody felt, not everybody, but many people in California, groups I speak to, had their heads down and were feeling, you know, when's this gonna end? The Canadian truckers, and then to your truckers, they really just threw out that lifeline, right? And they made everybody go, whew, this fight's coming. We're, we're more than just us, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's global and it's amazing. It, it, it was, we're gonna actually, when we're back with our radio folks in another minute, uh, play some uh, of the video of the American truckers. Yeah. But I couldn't agree more. The Canadian truckers, you said something really kind of eloquent last night. It's like the Canadian truckers threw Just a lifeline. Th yes, out. To, uh, yeah. It's almost like a visual thing. You, you know, if you were, you were drowning and someone was to throw you a, 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 a length of a rope and it would be like something for you to hold on to, but also certainty that the good things were coming, that you were going to be okay. It was like be, that. Yes. And, and then and we that, all just went, <gasps> Yes, yeah. and the idea of the, the truckers also is a very visual thing. Yes. I mean, to watch it and say, wow, and those people are standing for what I think. They are standing for what I think. It made people feel like there's hope and that and maybe that in this world, even though it seems like we've been kind of stuck at home, there was no way to express it. You had a way to express it. You could go there and stand on an overpass and wave a flag. Yes. And you just felt, I mean, literally, it brought many, many people to tears. Yeah, and, and I think there was also something so refreshing about the Canadian truckers just being simply so alpha. I mean, I know I'm all about the alpha pastor with his weapon, but you know, after so long of soys and ridiculous, pathetic politicians like Newsom uh, or Beta, I mean, who calls their child Beta in the first place? You know, all of these sort of limp people, and yep. then you get these Canadian truckers. I don't want to use the phrase dragging their testicles through the snow because it probably won't fit with the brief of your show but you know that sense of true alphas i think it's been imperative i think it's what gave us joy maybe leave the visual behind and it's why and and, and we'll pass on and i think they passed that lifeline to american truckers who i don't know where they are now do you know where they are i'm trying to, to focus that. you yes, on i do something that isn't well, about welcome testicles. back to our radio listeners this is america can we talk and the website's america can we talk.org i'm debbie george Addis, and i am very happy we have a whole other half an hour left okay so moving over to the american truckers i have to tell you that they've been so inspired the canadian truckers inspired the world and actually truckers thing started in france in italy i mean all over the world people saying yeah yeah because this massive socialist movement is not just headed up by AOC in America. It is a, a, a rising up of the totalitarian socialist mm -hmm. mindset around the world and it's people around the world who love their country, love their freedom, and we're saying, no, actually, not doing this, we're gonna stand up. So I will tell you, on the, the uh, American truckers, there was a great video. Uh, this is from an article that was on, actually all articles I, to which I refer are on our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links, You'll see this. I sent Mr. Becker a video of some of the people who were there cheering on the American convoy, and here it is.
People's Convoy, Day 5. Line Interstate 40 in Oklahoma. Thousands cheered on the truckers at overpasses across the state. More than 350 patriots gathered at this one near Yukon, Oklahoma. Convoy rolled through. What'd you think? Loved it. Glad we had the turnout we did. I'm with Drive for 45 Oklahoma, a local grassroots group here in, here in the state. We helped organize this event here on Cimarron Road today, and we are so happy at the turnout. They're amazed at how many people made it out today. The convoy just came through. What'd you think? I was in tears. I'm so happy that I came. I came all the way up here from Dallas, so I'm really happy that I did. You're supporting them all the way. All the way. The whole Why? Way. Because I think it's important, and I think it's going to help people come together and wake people up that really need to know that it's okay to speak up. So that's why. What was in your heart when you saw this happen? Oh, pride. Absolutely just pride. I had goosebumps. Hell, I even teared up a little bit. I'm glad I got these glasses on. You know, big guy. I don't want to look weak. No, I'm, I'm immense pride. I'm so proud these people are standing up for the freedoms and, uh, and taking this straight to D.C. What did you think of this? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great turnout to show our support for our truckers. What did you feel in your heart? I felt pride and passion to be an American. I thought it was great just to see everybody with their flags on the bridge, cheering on the truckers as they're passing through Oklahoma. Uh, such a patriotic moment. What did you feel in your heart? Uh, just... Uh, just a sense of pride in our country and how they're fighting for our freedoms and everything through the convoy and everything. I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was incredible. And I'm actually really proud that Americans are actually standing up for what they believe in. <clears throat> okay, well, I wanted to say about this, and I want to, we're going to continue talking about the truckers, but that video went on and on, all these people uh, just saying, I'm, I'm so proud. And you know what they really, I want to say this again because it matters so much. It's not just people who are saying, you know, we want to end COVID mandates or we want to end vaccine mandates or we don't want to wear masks anymore. There's a larger, deeper, uh, just determination to say, we want to stand up for freedom in America and we, the American people, we are on to you, left-wing America. We see what you're doing. You're destroying this country and we're not going to let you. And among the many things people in different interviews have said, they, they are just, they're not putting up anymore with the massive overreaction to COVID, the tamping down on our freedoms, the mass mandates, the vaccine mandates. Um, they're also livid about the way the harm to children in America, having mass mandates and, I mean, the suffering of children unable to function as well as they used to be and increase the number of children suffering from speech delay and learning delays, all sorts of other completely unnecessary damage inflicted on them. Uh, there's also a lot of talk about just people are livid about the loss of energy independence in America. We had a president, when Biden came in, America was energy independent because of the policies of Donald Trump. Uh, on day one, Biden comes in, shuts down the, the big pipeline, uh, and then at the same time, helping out the Russians with their oil pipeline. So energy prices are rising because of energy policy. These are freedom issues, and people are just recognizing we're watching this guy engage in policy after policy after policy, destroying America. COVID, uh, and, and the other another huge one is the border. No explanation ever given why we no longer enforce our southern border. I mean, all absurdities, the primary job of a government, enforce, the, enforce your country's borders. They don't do it, they don't explain, and they just simply march on with a wildly dangerous southern border wide open to all sorts of nefarious characters um, who are now in America's heartland and we don't even know where they are. So you just have the, um, and you have a massive concern, a informed Americans, massive concern about the deeply corrupt CIA, FBI, DOJ, the prosecution of January 6th people for standing outside, not even going in the Capitol, standing outside and being criminally prosecuted and held in jail until, in fact, we featured a great story yesterday about a guy when the judge was asked whether or not this person who'd been charged with um, something like unlawful parading um, could wait at home until the trial started. And he said, no, this person was held in jail 14 months. The reason the judge gave was because he, the defendant, the one being held in jail, still doesn't believe that the 2020 elections were valid. He's punishing him for what he believes and making him sit in jail. I mean, we are so far past America the free, America the rule of law, America the constitutional country. And this is really, you're seeing this outpouring of joy for the truckers 
Be, and it's a bigger thing than that. It's, it's just saying we want our country back. I think I think it's so it's so right, and you feel it when you're out and amongst people. You know, one of the things that gets we don't talk enough of it in a way is that this sense of wanting to feel pride, right? Wanting to believe in democracy, wanting to feel patriotic and and joyous about your country. That's already here in America every day. That's already American people. You have freedom in you in a way that no other nationality does, no, not English people, nothing. You, there's something in you guys that is different to the rest of us. And if we cut you open, you would bleed constitution and freedom and your Second Amendment and the rest. And the thing is, that's all there. And all someone has to do is give you a reason to enjoy it. And grown men stand on bridges and weep. And that's, that's it, it's, it's just giving people the reason to draw on the reserves that are already there. Running this country should be so easy because of grassroots American patriots. And yet the Democrats ma managed to make it so hard. That, and I love seeing those people get upset and go home feeling better. I think that's so important. And the other thing I just wanted to mention about the UK and in terms of solidarity is, you know, we have socialized healthcare the NHS, right? And that's nothing. Our beloved, what is it what they always say? Our beloved. Our beloved NHS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I would never, ever, you never want socialized healthcare. It is basically like having AOC and multiplying her <laughs> like a gremlin covered in water by a thousand million times. Like it's a thousand million. Yeah. I don't know if this is actually how it looks. But anyway, that's what socialized healthcare is. It's an arm of the political state. And we were told our socialized healthcare workers had to have the vaccine mandate by the 8th of February. And amazingly, despite all of the, only an idiot wouldn't have it, it's your duty, 120,000 of them held the line and they would not have it. And they would not back down. And I was going around the country, standing on dustbins and platforms and whatever, just pleading with people hold the line and they were going right to the edge it was the 6th of february they're about to be single mums you know who need to keep a roof over their head and the government re reversed its position because it could not beat them because yeah. 120 held the line 120,000 held the line and that to me the, the the truckers feel like that there's there's something about the presence of yeah. them the size of these things but it feels like a representation of us holding the line together, doesn't it? It's like a physical exactly. manifestation of our hearts. Yeah, I love that story about the UK having I know, can down. you imagine on the day they oh. backed down and all of the nurses and lovely ladies who were, they took themselves right to the edge of the cliff. Yeah. They didn't know how they were going to keep their house or feed everybody. Or, and they had family members, you know how this would go. Oh, Why yeah, don't you just have it? Just have it. You've been doing the job for 30 years. You've got a pension coming. Just have it. And they didn't. Oh, and I they love didn't. that story. I know. I know. It gets me every time. But, and that to me is the same with the truckers. Yep. You, you were know. mentioning other truckers just very quickly because there are so many. And there's a, a People's Convoy, which is the Northeast route. These are all different trucker things happening in America at the same time. The People's Convoy Northeast Route, New York and Pennsylvania Convoy to the D.C., Southern New Jersey Convoy, even New Jersey, a Democrat state, Southern New Jersey Convoy to D.C., Con another one called Convoys to D.C., People's Convoy, North New Hampshire, Idaho, the 208 People's Convoy, North Jersey Freedom Convoy. Seriously, there's group after group. This is a, a rising up. It is, well, it's like the nurses in the it's U.K. just said, not doing the it. Line. And it. And it's so, you know, the joy of... So an individual, individual nurses, 100,000 nurses is powerful. But these trucks, they're just the size, the power of them, the lights, the noise is also very helpful from oh. a crowd point of view. The other day, and you can have an individual trucker convoy. So, uh, <laughs> and I did this the other day. It's very important other people do it. And uh, I was in San Diego doing, uh, you know, more naughtiness on the road than I do. And I was crossing the road with, and it happened to be one of my very good looking girlfriends, which helps enormously with every element of life. Men come up to her in the street and they tell her that she's beautiful. Oh, wow. Okay. Isn't that right? So she, yeah. She's like 50 something. She looks at me and, they, and I'm like, men do that? Because that, <laughs> I like, I, this is new to me. She goes, yeah, this happens all the time. Anyway, crossing the road, huge truck. And so we go across and I'm like, it's a trucker. And obviously now I love every trucker ever. Yes. So we're all giving it this like honk, <laughs> trying to get the trucker to honk. I mean, don't know if he's with us or not. 
And he did. He did this massive honk honk. Oh. So I say to people, if you see a truck, it's your duty to try and get them to I Hong Kong that. to see if they're with us. Obviously, if they're not, they might just run you over. And that would be a sad story. <laughs> well, but, and that's right. Yeah. 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 That's the end of everything. But, you know, okay. darkness comes. I was also going to comment and back to UK. And I suppose well, probably I want to hit Ukraine and Russia before we're out of time. But you're doing that with Frank on Thursday. Th oh, big time. But I will say there are a lot of things to keep in mind. I do want to hit a five minute before the end of the show on, on UK. But. What also happens to people when you don't have a group like the truckers is you just hear the media, you just read the media, and you think you're kind of alone. And if you're at all unsure of your views on the border, vaccines, or any other issue, you just think, well, maybe I don't really understand. Everyone seems to be fine with what the government's doing. Maybe I'm the one who's wrong. I just can't imagine just one of them, the way the COVID-19 mandates are talked about uh, by people on the American left. Um, so they had a... Um, let me get their language. This was a Huffington Post. You, here's how they described them. U.S. convoy organizers include a fear-mongering lineup of far-right actors, QAnon backers, oh, mm -hmm. oh my God, uh, vaccine opponents, COVID-19 truthers, extremist groups, and other self-proclaimed patriots leveraging disinformation to convince Americans that their liberties are at risk while imploring them to stand up and defend them. That's helping the post. <laughs> and I have to say, I, I, I feel like this kind of language has been used on many issues, many issues where you're just mocked and ridiculed, the power of mockery. And, and so you just go, well, I mean, if you aren't emboldened and you don't see other people saying, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Ugh. I mean, that must happen in the UK on issue well, after issue. Yeah, and then just reading stuff. I mean, I get that, you know, written about me that, you know, the, the, the list of labels that get before, put before your about name. About you? But, you know, like That's Katie Hopkins, conspiracy theorist, mad, crazy, whatever. You know, just the whole labeling thing, it's dull. But also I'd love to go, you know, and I, I am one for, as you know, turning up where I'm not supposed to be yes, you and are. either verbally or physically intimidating someone. I would love to get into that Huffington Post because actually that's just a nerd in his mother's spare room. You know that he yes. doesn't go into an office <laughs> because they can't afford one. You know that he sat in those ridiculously tight small trousers that those types wear with no socks and slip on loafers. You know it. I know it. And yes. With that stupid bouffant hair that they also have. And I would love to just get in there, grab him, pick him up and because of course I'm taller than he'll ever even dream of being with his little soy legs dangling beneath me and walk him out the building you know that's sort of how I see life yeah is, is someone's just sitting oh they think they're so clever typing this stuff that if I took him and took him to downtown anywhere with me and said right see if you how you go see how you fend for yourself he wouldn't make it out yeah. because they have no life skills no self-awareness and they think they think the world's a safe place i'd love to frighten them you know i, I love that's what i do that. i'll to try do. to find out who wrote that well you do send <laughs> them my, no i'll find him i'll hunt him down but yeah it's it's people need to i want to take them to dark places and i want them to feel fear yeah because if you've really seen what some of us have seen you wouldn't be advocating for the nonsense they advocate for in the comfort of their mother's spare room and that's exactly what it is. Comfort mother spare room. Well, you know what? You're right about it. I'm going to do a very quick thing on Ukraine at the end. I want to hit one of the things that you talked about last night. It's so amazing. On this show, um, I mean, I started it in 2014. Many shows over the years, we'd have some, uh, event, some jihadist event somewhere, and we would have someone come on the show, and they would talk about, explain that, you know, jihad is actually encouraged by and written into the Quran that the leaders of these Islamic jihadist movements are not violating the Quran, they're following the Quran. Um, and we talk about how the pockets of danger to Western civilization. Well, you're in the UK and you made a comment last night uh, toward the end of the, of the um, evening. And you, you said it before, but by 2030, the UK will be gone, meaning there will be Islamic control over the UK. First of all, what's so bad about that? I mean, they, I mean America, if they, they became uh, majority Norwegian Lutheran, I think that would happen, you know, like my family. So yeah. what, what's so bad about being majority Islam? Yeah, and I think it's the sense that um, we're a Christian country and that's what we're supposed to be, but we're already not. The demographics are already in play that show that we will be a nation of Islam uh, by 2030. And what's bad about that 
uh, if we need to go down the basics for females is we lose all of our rights. You know, we just do, we become any of the Arab lands where we're not allowed an education, we're not allowed to go out without supervision. And that's already in play in cities like Birmingham, in Bradford. In England, in, in Muslim areas, go ahead, sir. Women aren't allowed to be out alone. They're not allowed to go out without a companion. They're not allowed to go into a cafe. In French, in, in the suburbs of Paris, there are lots of coffee shops and bars. There are only male. You would not go into them as a female. You'll be asked to leave. In Paris, they have shops where the toys, because a Muslim toy isn't allowed to have any facial reference. There's toys with no faces. There's, there's oh. veils between, you know, so that women aren't seen. That's already in Paris. We lose everything that we are and everything that we have. And clearly, we become very unsafe. But my guess, I guess this is where we talked about the darkness. We can only cope with so much darkness at once. My only plea to people is if you ever attend something where someone's saying, we're all interfaith and all our faiths are the same. And a mosque is just the same as a church. It's yep. just the it, Please come to the UK and I'll show you that is a lie. It's not true. Uh, a mosque is a center of organization for the strategic overthrow of a country. Uh, go to Michigan, go to Dearborn, and you'll see it's already in play. So, so that's the tough side of that, that, it, that it's, hard to, it's, hard to be, it's hard to be a warning of that right now when people are so worn down. But, it's why, but, but our side is a great side, and our side fights hard, and we keep coming back, and over here you still have your Second Amendment. And unlike any other nation on the face of the planet, you've held on to that, especially here in fantastic Texas. Uh, yes, we have. You know, it's an interesting thing about that. I mean, I, it was obviously a rhetorical question because I, about what Islam yeah. has done to the UK. But you know, we've had experts on the show who, are, who have read the Quran in its original language who can tell you that immigration is intended to be used for the purpose of subjugation, of taking over a country. They, they don't emigrate because they're just trying to, like Christian missionaries might do, bring the message of Christianity to any place. It is, the immigration is, is a, it's a hijra, that's the word, hijra. Immigration used for the purpose of bringing another country into submission. And it is a commonly currently practiced thinking. And it's a very hard thing for Christian societies to say, well, we don't want to welcome that here because we're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves and love everyone. But to wake Americans up to the danger, I wish they could get yes. immersed in what happened to the UK well, and say, how do we stop that? Exactly. We can love everyone all we want, but the truth of it is that you are hated just for your religion. And, and uh, like this little idiot at the Huffington Post with his pathetic writing, <laughs> I would love to grab those people that are like, oh, la, 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 interfaith, or this is all going to be fine. I'd love to scoop them up take them with me to Birmingham, Bradford, you know, set them down at one end of the city, give them a target and say, try and get here. As a single female, you try and get to this point because they won't make it because it, it's a terrifying experience. You are the only female, unaccompanied, non-Muslim on the street. It, it's, a, it's like being in a foreign land. And that, that always breaks my heart uh, when people say they landed in London and they didn't know where they were. And, and one of the things, if I may, just very quickly, is I try and say it often, is please know, you know, that if you hear from people in the UK, maybe the Muslim mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, or you see people being disrespectful about America or Trump or anyone, that isn't, that isn't us. That isn't the 20 million decent Brits. And I'm, I'm sort of decent sometimes, but not always. <laughs> but, salty, but, uh, yeah, a little. But, but, but 20 million decent British people are cheering America on. And you can't hear us. But please believe me, um, that is absolutely the case. Oh, I, I do believe it. And I completely, I, I, mean, I feel like for America, if enough of us could awaken, and this, what's very hard in America, as you well know, is even if you start to recognize some segment of Islam as a problem, some of them are jihadists, you still get told, well, you know, but this, this is a big religion, most of them are fine. And we, you have a very hard time convincing people to try to steer your immigration policy in a way that can protect America's future. But then you look at countries that have been overtaken by Islam, and you realize they were just like us. England was just like us, whatever, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And we have plenty of schools now in the UK where the boys go out to their, they go to get their lunch first, and then they go out to their break first. Plenty of schools in the UK, but let the boys take priority. That, I mean, that's just a weird notion. 
to me. Well, yeah, and then it, it is a weird notion and inconsistent with what you assume in a country rooted in freedom, rooted yep. in equality and all that. Um, and it's a, it's a hard thing to warn people about. I'm telling you, you think in America, we have great speakers and well-informed people and people writing books and trying to explain. And you, yet you have the, uh, the same guy from Huffington Post is probably writing the little yeah. things about this issue too, you know, these knuckle dragging, uh, you know, Bible, what was Obama's term? Uh, knuckle dragging, clinging to the Bible, yeah. Bi mm -hmm. Bible clingers, you know, cling to the guns and Bibles. And so these people, like Huffington Post writer, they're trying to depict the Americans alert to a situation as, as these kind of people. And you never so find that. You find the sweetest people, the kindest people, the softest people right. that just want everyone to be all right and feel genuinely emotional. The, the tears that we just saw in your clips, those tears are behind everyone's eyes right now. It right. takes exactly so right. little to allow them to flow. And that's what we shall do. Absolutely. So if people want to follow you, I know you write at Front Page Magazine. Yeah, so people can find me best on, and I know a lot of people aren't on Instagram, but if you underscore everything, underscore Katie, underscore Hopkins, underscore, I'm on Instagram. I'm still on YouTube. It's unbelievable. You're still on YouTube? I know, it's wild. Katie Hopkins official. You can find me on there. But most importantly, come find me on the street. I'll be on the road. I will be in your state soon. Come, come, come. Just come find me. If it takes you two hours to drive there, come, because you'll enter whatever room we're in, and I guarantee you'll leave feeling much better. And social media is ridiculous. Online is ridiculous. In person is where we rehumanize humanity. I love that rehumanize humanity. But it is front page that you write at. Too. Yes. And the reason I wanted to mention that for our listeners, you write so well. I mean, it's really, it's the same way you speak in that you inject some humor, a few funny little lines, but make extremely poignant points. And I'm just grateful for your writing and all that Thank you do. Thank you. Okay, so for our happy radio listeners, uh, I, you are about to zip off to go to your break. I want to remind all of you that America Can We Talk is Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And if you're listening on radio, please go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Click on subscribe, get our weekly newsletter. You can donate to support the show. And you can also watch the show live at our website, americacanwetalk.org. I so appreciate you tuning in and listening. And I urge you to speak up for America. I want to thank Katie Hopkins so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Great having you. Okay, my friends. So for our online listeners and everybody else, which is most of us, um, I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today talking about Texas primaries and the so too all of a sudden masks are off, but there's don't worry, there's nothing nefarious about that. So uh, voters in primary elections across the country must come to grips with a basic truth. The Biden cabal is purposeful, purposefully acting to destroy the American constitutional republic. The Democrat party is generally lockstep in support of the Biden cabal's actions. Please Read that sentence again and embrace it. It helps you understand everything the Democrats do. Vote for those America First candidates who understand what time it is in America. Rhinos in denial of the seriousness of this era cannot be humored. Not the time for reaching across the aisle. Time for massive U-turn or other course correction in just about every area of government policy. Time for uncompromising firmness in reasserting the primacy of American freedom. Dems and their pollsters know how badly Biden and the leftist agenda are failing. That's why mass mandates ended just prior to Biden's State of the Union. Leftists and their totalitarian agenda must be overwhelmingly defeated. And on America's trucker convoy, you gotta love these people. They did bring tears to our eyes and, and their own eyes. Trucker's convoy is the spirit of America. It's now over 20 miles long, and there are like five of them going on, drawing huge crowds as it passes through. They're not really about vaccine mandates. They're not just about vaccine mandates. They're not just about masks. They're not just about COVID passports. It's about rising in rebellion against government tyranny, against the denial of American freedom. This is the same spirit that filled enlistment centers on December 8, 1941. And that is a true story. When America was attacked at Pearl Harbor, people showed up to defend America. That's what these truckers convoys and the people cheering them on are doing. They're just like those people on December 8th, 1941. The sleeping giant is awakening. Uh, Anna Moore, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, CIA Director Burns. Oh, I didn't even get to this. I'll just tease you with this before Thursday's show. CIA Director Burns warned two years ago that NATO membership for Ukraine was a reddest of red lines for Putin and Russia, i.e. he would invade rather than accept it. 
Biden knew this, yet openly offered Zelensky in late 2021 support for NATO membership for Ukraine. Points to Biden cabal wanting to provoke Putin to invade. But why? A wag the dog distraction from domestic disasters tactic, and they, we are in the midst of numerous uh, domestic disasters. Something worse? Financial observers note that kicking Russia banks out of SWIFT pushes them to align with China and seek alternatives to SWIFT. And a viable alternative to SWIFT undercuts the dollar as the world's reserve currency, which could be devastating to America in its otherwise bankrupt financial condition, $30 trillion in debt. Ukraine's situation is not as simple as it is being portrayed. Putin bad, Zelensky good. Join American Can We Talk on Thursday for a conversation with national security expert Frank Gaffney. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?